All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 245. Jason Lindgren is with me, and we've got Mr. Marty Leeds all the way from the outback of Hawaii. Welcome, Jason. And a fine, hot, and sticky Louisiana afternoon to you. It is, man. 2020. Maybe we should call it the era of breathing your own exhaust fumes, uh, because that's the advised method in which you're supposed to operate these days, isn't it? That's the sad and pathetic reality. Unreal what passes for okay these days, but do you have anything before we get Marty in here? Nope. Let's do the thing. Here comes Marty, live at Leeds, man. Welcome. Hello. Gentlemen, thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you. So how's it in the uh, Hawaiian Islands right now? Uh, well, well, the, all the civil liberties have been lifted. We're on lockdown. And uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, it's pretty good. Actually, life is <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah, save for our freedoms being completely halted. All of that, it's pretty dang good. So, yeah. I think the first time I ever talked to you guys... It's when right after the lava just erupted here, we had just moved here and I was, we were living actually right down where the lava flow was entering the water, the ocean. So I think it was the first time I ever talked to you guys. And so now it's about, I think like year and a half, two years later, whatever it's been. And now I'm in a completely different situation. So, but it's good. Yeah. Common sense has absolutely fled the scene uh, and it remains to be seen where we go. But in some ways you're living off grid, which a lot of people uh, are starting to get into the idea of homesteading while before all the nonsense kicked in. There was a lot of this kind of prepper idea uh, for the end of the world. <laughs> um, but now it's kind of become maybe a little more homesteady off-grid idea. And you kind of fit at least one of those two descriptions, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, the prepper thing never really made too much sense for me because it was like, if the if it is like the idea of there's going to be an co- entire collapse apocalypse, like legitimate, like eschatological religious apocalypse and what are you going to have like your 72 hour bag and that's you know whatever (laughs) just never made any sense to me so us moving out here the whole impetus um behind it was um to yeah live off grid try to grow our own food live simply frugally um that sort of thing i mean this is the place to do it for sure because you can grow year round um you can hunt you can fish you know tons of fishing of course so and yeah, when we when I talked to you guys the first time, I was just we were renting a place and just looking for a place to buy. And then we finally found the place we're in. And since then, we've, I mean, expanded crazy. When we moved into the place, um, it was overgrown. I had to hand clear a ton of the land. You know, there was no electric. The solar was really wimpy. There was not enough water. There was no, you know. So we've just been busting our booties to get this thing up and running. And one of the things that we wanted to do um, you know, we had said this aloud. It was almost the secret working. It was the secret, I think is what it is. But we said we wanted to be as self-sufficient and prepared before the next selection, if you will, um, as we could, as off-grid, you know, self-sufficient as we could. And we're pretty much there. You know, we're we're just on the cusp of it. So it's great. So that implies that you're growing your own food, collecting your own water, and you have an energy source that's not dependent on the electrical grid, right? Yeah, the only thing like on the grid we're on, we have is, of course, the internet. Um, so that's the only thing. And they allow us to get onto the grid with that. But other than that, yeah, we have our own solar, a um, couple of water catchment systems. Um, yeah, we're growing our own food. In fact, I just uh, tomorrow, I'm getting about, I think, like 15, 15 tons of black cinder soil because you have to bring in your own soil here. I got a rooster. <laughs> chickens, we're getting some more chickens. Uh, yeah, just lots of stuff going on. Now, did you choose Hawaii because of the natural resources generally available to you there? Well, there was, I mean, there was a ton of reasons to move to Hawaii. Number one, my, my gorgeous wife, she's right here. Uh, my gorgeous wife, uh, she lived here for a couple of years. 
And she lived off grid for, I think, two, two and a half years, something like that. And so when I met her, she moved to Oregon and, you know, we fell in love and that sort of stuff. And then she's like, hey, we both, I always, for the longest time, had this dream of me living very simply, like in a cabin as an author or something, you know. And so when I met her, she was like, look, we can, you know, we can really do this. You can live off grid very easy. And, you know, we didn't want to get into this whole 30 year mortgage, $300,000 house type deal. We just, that's, that wasn't in our game plan. So this fit perfectly. So yeah, you can grow year round, freshest air in the world. There's fishing, you know, all of that sort of stuff. You can grow, I mean, tons of stuff here. You know, you can grow fruits and all sorts of things. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, the great thing about that is even if you didn't consume any kind of eggs or meat or fish, you could totally year-round it on fruit and plants there easily. And not only that, you can grow some fruits there that even in Southern California you can't grow because the winter gets just cold enough that it makes it difficult or impossible sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, and I didn't know enough about growing, you know, because, you know, they don't teach you this stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, so getting here, it's like, it's super exciting. It's like, oh dude, I can grow corn, sweet corn year round. You know, I mean, it's like, yeah. as soon as you plant some of these apple trees and oranges, and it's like, dude, they're, you just, they're fruiting all day long. You know, in fact, we got a, a breadfruit tree that's just going off right now. Tommy the Pete, my Lord, bird. <laughs> uh, are, are, are you growing any dragon fruit there? That's one thing I miss here on the East coast. I, I think that's on our list of things to grow, but I mean, we've got, um, soursop, oranges, um, tons of pineapples, lemons. We've got like a breadfruit tree that's going off. I mean, tons of pineapples, bananas. We've got, I don't know, 15, 20 banana trees, getting a bunch more of those growing papayas. Um, we got a mango, we got an avocado tree. We've got a moringa, several moringa. We got green tea, um, all sorts of cucumbers to, you know, tomatoes, peppers, um, basil, um, some other greenery that I won't mention right here. Just got a lot of stuff going. So it's great, man. And I had no idea that we would be, it would be so robust um, coming here, you know, being able to just do all this and have it going so quick. So I'm trying to inspire people because this is where I think people need to go. You know, I I think it's okay to talk about Bud now because it seems approved to keep the zombies mellow, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for us, it's the idea to have some medicine, you know, uh, in, Mm -hmm. in a, because I actually collect all the leaves and things like that. And I'm going to, you know, uh, bo- I guess boil it down to oil and things like that for pain and, and sleeping and things like that, for sure. Just to have as a, because you never know what's going to happen to our medical industry. Actually, I think we know what's happening to the medical industry. It's becoming an institution of death. And so it's um, our own health is going to be more up to us. So that's part of it, you know. Well, it's going to be interesting to see where the whole, you know, you you opened up with the idea of the death debt there, the mortgage, right? Basically translates to death debt, but as the fiat currency resets, it's going to be a hell of a thing. What's going to happen to all that debt? What's going to happen to all the loans? Everything's going to be different. I think we know, um, but I think that's one of the things to watching. So what do you think is the most important aspect we should get into first? Uh, do we want to talk about how you're actually living, the actual physical house, the land you're on, uh, renting versus buying, the solar power, the internet, like all those things. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just go here. I mean, we bought, and there's tons of places in a, in the United States and stuff like that. You can do this. And and lots of people know, known this, like, but you know, the whole idea of being a prepper, it's like, no, that's really not going to work. You know, you want to sustain yourself, which first and foremost is community, unity of people, that sort of stuff. And we've, you know, moving here, we've met a lot of people and we've got a lot of, you know, I've got a friend coming over today. We've got some other friends coming over tonight, you know? Um, so that's important, but 
it's more, it was, um, you know, as, as opposed to the prepper as the homesteading thing, lots and lots of people saw this coming and there's, uh, you know, you know, years and years before, and that they started making moves to start doing this stuff by being self-sufficient, you know, have your own well and that sort of stuff. And there's lots of places in America you can still do this. You know, there's places in Colorado and Idaho, and, you know, I've got, uh, I know somebody in uh, Wyoming and that sort of stuff that's doing this. So moving to Hawaii here, we found a, we found an acre of land. Um, and it's, you know, it was, you know, hadn't been, you know, completely just mowed down yet. So there was a lot of the, of the jungle that was still on it an old cabin, an old shed, stuff like that. And we paid, uh, 89,000 for it. Wow. And so that was the acre. Yeah. And so, um, and we had money down. So we, you know, so we could put, you know, because we had saved and, uh, Jennifer had some money that her mom gave her from a long time ago, uh, just a few grand or whatever. So we just basically just dumped everything into it and then just started building from the ground floor. And so it was, wasn't even livable when we got here, but now it's like, I mean, you know, we're just completely set up. So like I said, we had to redo the electric. We did the solar. It was just this rinky-dink solar system here. So we went in and um, we found we went on Craigslist and a guy that had lost his house in the lava, he saved his solar and we bought the solar from him. So it was only, I think, three grand. And then we just upgraded that. But I think our entire solar system runs maybe top to bottom, maybe seven, $8,000 I put into the solar system. And it's essentially, for the most part, um, brand new for the most part. Active or passive? Did you go with an active system or passive? Because if it's active, there's some cost in big systems. Well, we have. I, I can tell you what we have. So I have um, an uh, Outback inverter charger and a charge controller. We have about, I think there's eight panels up there that I think are what, 245 watts, 245 watts each or something. So we're just about 2000 watts. And then that runs into four. They're like marine batteries, basically. My Lord, Tommy, Tommy the Pete, calm down, bird. <laughs> she's you should see him. he's on the top of the hill he's just like crowing like i'm ready to rape okay sorry uh, <laughs> so um yeah just got new batteries so that's 2000 watts so that 2000 watts that runs our fridge i just got this huge chest freezer so it runs that it runs all the lights we have a few fans and then it runs all the computers and then it also runs like um like the, the water pump we have a water pump so 2000 watts for jennifer and i i mean most, even like small families, if you were frugal with your energy use, um, that would be enough, you know? And that's, like I said, you pump eight, ten thousand $10,000, maybe even more than that. I think you can get an entire system like that for probably about 12 now, locally anyway. And that would run you easily 10, 15 years, as long as you didn't have any major problems. So you just think about that as, a, as opposed to being on the grid, you know, how much you're going to pay electric bill every month, that sort of thing. It actually works out pretty well. Right. Back in the day, I helped launch a solar division for a massive construction company that was interested in being more efficient. Um, of course, the, the batteries was always the thing. It, it ups the cost. And back then, you know, that was the early 2000s. I think they were claiming 10, maybe 15 years on the batteries. It was quite an expenditure back then to replace them. You've only got four batteries, which is good. But I think battery tech has gotten a little better as well. But but let's let's address this. You know, much of the news in our life is about scarcity. Um, not enough of this, not enough of that. Um, it's always about scarcity, which leads to things we don't like, draconian ideas that we don't like. But we're hearing from all kinds of people that we talk to um, that have been homesteading that if you have an acre, you could feed 10 families. Where do you stand on that? So you're on about an acre. Um, do you make way more than your family needs? Could you feed two or three families around you if it came down to it? I'm so glad you brought this up, man, because that's exactly what it, it's 
everything that they push, the opposite is true, right? There because we're yeah. in an upside down world. We live in clown world. So it's scarcity. The water's going to run out this. And it's like, no, man, nature and the God that breathes through nature is abundant, abundant. You know, it's like this whole idea. It's like um, I was watching this channel. I watched this channel. It's Kevin and Sarah where they living traditions homestead. Really great channel. Just a good, you know, a couple of Midwestern cats and they're just good people. And he was saying, he's like, just think about this. You give one person a t one tomato plant when they're a kid and they actually just take the seeds and dry the seeds and plant more tomatoes. They will have tomatoes for the rest of their life. If they just take care of it and actually nurture nature and things like that, that one tomato plant could feed tomatoes for the rest of their life. Their families, generations and generations could live off that tomato plant when you think about it. How many chickens do you have? There's another thing like I love eggs and here there's two things where I live in Rhode Island that are better than anywhere else I've ever been. That's the farm fresh eggs because they don't coop the chickens here mostly. And the other thing is the sweet corn, which is a version of the sweet corn I was eating back in the 70s. I've never come close anywhere, but uh, we've got neighbors that have the Rhode Island Reds or they used to. And the thing that happens there is even with just a few chickens, you end up producing way more eggs than you can eat. And as you know, if it came down to it, you got an egg or two a day, you're good. You could live. So what about your egg situation? I mean, do you find yourself having to give them away weekly or monthly? No, I mean, we we only have four chickens right now, four hens and then a, and a rooster. So we're getting hopefully about 20 total, like two, I think two roosters and then that many chickens. Cause that's, and then, but yeah, the whole point is to produce and give away, you know, like, so, and we also have, um, bees that we're so like in another month, we're probably going to have like gallons of honey. So the whole point is, wow. just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, I mean, they're just going off here because there's so much planted and stuff. And so, yeah, the whole point is to be, have abundance, to be like, we have too much, you know, so that way, and, and that's the whole, almost like tithing to your community or something, giving away. That's right. Like I, you know, I told people at work, I'm like, I'll bring in honey. Don't worry. That sort of thing. So the other thing I will say is this always sounds cliche, but it's like, oh, the food always tastes better and farm fresh. Like you were saying with the eggs. Oh, they do. The eggs are way, way better than yep. you're going to buy at the store. The pineapples that we hear seriously, it's so much better. You, I, I'm swear to God, you've never had a banana until you've had a fresh banana from Hawaii, man. It tastes like there's, they, they have these things called ice cream bananas. My Lord. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't worry about it. It's just nature, man. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have these things called ice cream bananas, man. And it literally is like ice cream, dude. It's so good. It's so, it's just, that's part of it too. You know, it's fresh. It's right from nature. You're growing it. It's hands-on and that's where we want it to be. And that's, I, it's, you just direct connection with nature. And it's something that we've lost. It's something I've known that it's been divorced from my life since I was young. And I've always wanted to push back to get there. And so it's good. Now there's a reason for that too, isn't there? Don't most big produce companies, they pick things and ship them while they're still not ripe and they ripen as they go so that the stores can have them for X amount of time because produce goes to waste a lot. That's like a big thing. If folks don't know that stores throw out tons of produce. So what you're talking about is not only was it grown properly, but you're picking it when it's absolutely ideal. Yeah, like it's right out of our ground. The pineapple's falling over. It's just ripe. And then, you know, I think you pick it like a day or two before and then it ripens right. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that whole thing is going to fall. The whole grocery store, that sort of stuff, you know, shipping everything. They're going to, they're going to clamp down on that. I, I feel. And so, you know, you're going to have to rely on what you can grow, what's around your area, just like people have been for generations and generations, you know? And so when you, when you 
hone in on where you are and what you can grow and start understanding that you will realize that there is abundance, you know? So you were, you keep mentioning pineapples. Now, when I was in Southern Cal, um, I grew pineapples a couple, that's kind of a long haul harvest, isn't it? Or is it different when you're doing it in Hawaii? Oh no, yeah. Like we plant them and they come up, I think two years or something like right. that, but yeah. they, for some reason, I think they, they grow faster here. So there was that, the great thing is when we bought this property, it was like all overgrown. It wasn't taken care of. I had to, you know, whatever, rip down half the jungle and stuff. But they, the people that were here planted stuff like almost like indiscriminately or it, whatever. They just didn't really plant anything, but they planted stuff all over. So there's a bunch of stuff here that I had to like, you know, uh, save and, you know, that sort of thing. And so there was already a bunch of stuff planted here, which was great. So we had pineapples here before we even got here. And then we planted some you know, even last year that we're going to harvest soon. So it's, it's great. Well, I'll mention a couple things I learned. Um, I was big into bamboo for a while and I knew the other, you know, like the, the crazy orchid people and they, they're about the craziest of plant growers. Uh, my nephew got involved with them, but I had ends at the San Diego zoo, uh, which I wasn't really down with. I helped them with their plants, but I didn't really care for the animal, what I consider to be animal, animal slavery. Um, but I did advise them, um, to some degree on bamboo and other things, but there are a few things like star fruit. Um, I mentioned the dragon fruit. Those would be great for you, but have you considered, and this one is so simple to grow, it's called a Suriname cherry, and I believe it, it's among the things with the most vitamin C, but each one has a pretty sizable pit in it. If you throw it over your shoulder, you got more Suriname cherries. Um, you should absolutely think about that just from a health stand, standpoint and your ability to grow something like that. I'm looking at my Suriname cherry tree right now. In fact, I think we have a couple of them, but yeah, I just tried them for the first time a few months ago or whenever it was when they were last blooming. And at first I was like, I don't know if I like these. And now I'm like hooked to them. So yeah. So one, one of my favorites. Yeah. At first yeah. I see there's, there's a couple of times. So some of them are very tart and some sweet. It has to do with when you pick them and the bush. Um, but when you get them, when they're ready, they're ready for a very small period of time, but there's nothing better. And you feel good because you're getting blasted with C. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, for sure. You can, yeah, you can feel yourself getting healthy, eating those yep. things. It's, God, for, for me, this is really exciting because I, for years I was a researcher, researcher, you know, researching all sorts of stuff, whether that's comparative mythology or math or conspiracy or political this or that, you know, and now it's like, my life has been like, okay, now I'm in, I have to focus on this, which is something I always wanted to do. It's just, I was never in the opportunity to do it. And so now it's like, you know, the creator sort of just got to put me in place to be like, no, nope, this is what you're doing now. And it's, it's awesome. We've learned so much. You know, I never thought I'd be so excited to have 20 yards of mulch dumped in my freaking driveway that I got to get out. You know, it's like, oh, yes. So it's great. So I think we're going to cover these kinds of ideas in lieu of where we've come. Truth is, is we want to talk about other things, but we're going to have to push those other things to our two. Um, or it just, you know, we end up not running them on YouTube, like Dave J. Why even try? It's just, it ends up being a hassle just to speak. So we don't do it. Um, so just to let everyone know, while we do have Marty on the other side, uh, we're going to address a bunch of current issues that many people are concerned about, but uh, where do you want to go here, Jason? Well, Marty, I definitely like having heard about all of that, but what is your rough assessment of the way things are right now and what people could be doing to help themselves regardless of where they live? Because obviously not everyone can pick up and go to an island paradise. Well, that's the thing is like, I mean, it took us three years to get here, you know, so it was and it was working our tails off and dumping every bit of money into it. 
So it's definitely, it's not something that's like, yeah, just pick up and leave. And, you know, cause I know a lot of people can't, but, um, for me, for the longest time, um, to, to speak about it in through a spiritual lens, if you will, it was getting closer to nature, getting closer to God, getting closer to the simplicity of life, getting back to the poetry of life, const- not constantly keeping our heads in the 24 hour news cycle, which is just lies, propaganda, deceit. It's taking, removing ourselves as much as we could from all of that and getting back to simple frugality, um, minimalism, love, love. That's a good one. Trying, you know, that sort of thing, trying to push towards that. That is, it's been imperative, uh, with my own spiritual growth, my own calmness and things like that, which has had its ups and downs for sure. But you know, as far as like any advice and that sort of thing is try, my advice would be to try to move towards those things in life. You know, you, you'll, you'll realize that so much of our life is fluff. So much of this stuff is just nonsense. It's things you don't need. And when you get down to the nitty gritty and the brass taxes of it, it's like, what do you need, man? You know, it's, you need food, shelter, warmth, community, love, the creator, the divine in your life, purpose, meaning that sort of stuff. That's all your life should be is seeking those things out. And the rest of it is just noise and nonsense. You know, that's, that's what we're trying to uh, envelop in our lives. And it's been very positive, you know, even, even in the face of all this damn nonsense and all of these lies, it's been a very positive thing. I'm keeping my head above water, which is if I could have taken many, many roads that I, I probably would maybe not even be talking to you guys, maybe not even be here. You know what I mean? But I didn't take those roads and I'm very grateful for that. Well, I think you, you point out the way things once were, once upon a time, how long back ago, I think people can imagine maybe before the greatest generation or the people that went in to the theater of World War II lived in some semblance of the way. But one thing I'll say about what's happened here is the overreach is astounding. Uh, I think the overreach has hurried people along their awakening path. And the more I observe what I'm seeing, uh, the more unsustainable it seems to me. And I don't know whether we see the herd get called out to some degree. And if that happens, I imagine it will be because people make bad decisions, um, that kind of thing going on. But I don't think this is sustainable. I don't think this is a lasso that can remain around this wide a swath of humanity. And the more it tightens, I think the closer to the shelf life we get. And that's what I've been saying for, I don't know, quite some time now. Um, and I think it needs to be said because people feel hopeless. You have no idea the emails I see. Um, we just did an episode with Athen Comente, who's a sidereal sky clock watcher. Um, and we did everything we could to inject some positivity into it because there's this sense <clears throat> that we've lost something for good here. And I think it's fair that most people understand looking back through the world we can see and know probably happened. Usually when something gets taken, it doesn't get given back. Um, And usually if it does get given back, it's a devil's deal. The trade to get it back is almost worse than the thing you were given back. Um, But again, I'll, I'll put my stamp of hope on it. And I don't know what you guys think about this. I don't think what we see going on here is sustainable. And I think it's gonna backfire in ways that couldn't possibly have been foreseen. You know, I have, I have a few stances on that. Number one, I sort of, because of who I am and the life that I've chosen and my, my not even belief, my understanding of the creator, God, I have a responsibility to be positive. <laughs> I have a responsibility to be like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't just be like, oh, woe is us and me. No, no, I can't do that. I, I just can't. 
so there's that. Um, it's my responsibility. It's been God, God uh, told me what I have to do. So there's that. Then there's this whole idea is that there's always an eternal balance in, in creation. There, there is, right? So right. anytime things get darker, more light comes out. As soon as it gets dark, the more dark. And this is what I actually see happening. I was just talking to you guys know Benny Wills, right? Benny Wills, Jason? No, I don't. I don't think I, so. I don't think so either. Yeah, you should have Benny on. Benny's a good dude. But I was just talking to him about this idea that it's like, well, you know, in a sense, for lack of a better term, might be even a great term, but Logos is rising. There's a lot of people that because of this, they're waking up to the divine in their life. They're waking up to this understanding that, oh, wait, no, I am. Wait, wait a second. No, what's going on here? This is absolute corruption and tyranny. And and it just as I've, and I've had a bunch of conversations lately about this, that the, the evil of this world and it's showing its face, that big old dragon that pops up and you're like, oh, here I am, right? It's making everybody be like, oh, that forces them in some way, almost puts them on the path to understanding that this this thing is created, that there is purpose and meaning, that there is the divine. That's good. Like I was saying before we even started this show, you know, my mom used to watch Ellen DeGeneres. Ew. See, I know, right? And now my mom is sending me Max Egan videos. She's like, oh, you can check this out. You know, that's. I mean, there's a lot, and I, let me say this too, where I work, there's a, a lot of people in the younger generation that's coming up, they seem like very jaded and, be, you know, uh, disheveled and whatever you want to say, spiritually disheveled, that sort of thing. I've had a bunch of these younger kids start, because they know, I don't really say anything at work, but when I'm asked, I will tell you exactly how I feel, right? And they're all asking me now because they're like, oh, this guy seems like he's very intelligent and got his kind of life together. Like, they're asking me, what do you think about it? And I just tell them and they're like, yeah, they, they're not buying it either. They're like, this stuff isn't making sense. And so I see a lot of that. And I, I, I will say this, and I sent this to uh, Paul on the plane. There was this, this girl at work and she's like 23, I want to say. And she's just like, she just says one day, she's like, well, what do you think about all this COVID thing? And I said, her, I, I asked her, I was like, well, do you want to know what I actually think about it? <laughs> she's like, yes. And I said, well, I'll tell you this, it's all illegal right? What they're doing is stripping you away of your rights. And then I explained to her what rights were. I said, rights are divine entitlements. Doesn't matter what's written on some page somewhere. Doesn't matter what it says in the constitution. Doesn't matter what it says in the bill of rights. Rights are crafted within the framework of nature itself. God has given you, is, I said this to her, is breath voluntary or is it involuntary? She goes, well, it's involuntary. I said, yeah, that's because God has given it to you. And I said, what they're trying to do is take that away from you right now. And you know what happened, man? I saw her eyes freaking light up because no one had ever told her. It's like, no, 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 no. The creator himself has given you, endowed you with things. And what these people are trying to do is take it away. And they're handing you a bunch of chaos and nonsensical, illogical BS and asking you to accept it. And they're saying it. They're like, no. And so I see that and I'm like, that's Logos rising. That's how I see that anyway. <clears throat> There's a couple things we might think about here. Um, had I been faced with this nonsense in my young childhood, I would imagine 10 years after the fact, it would be like disco. People would be looked back and make fun of it. Um, but since disco can't be made fun of in the same way that this can, I think you see what I'm saying. But the other thing is we, we spend a lot of time talking about exactly what you're, what you're talking about. The divine spark given each living human being. And there's another foundational kind of breakdown that I did for myself. Is it really that easy to quench the divine spark? Is this really all it takes? And I'm not buying. And the young people, they're going to have a hell of a, a reckoning. 
Um, you know, my young age, the big thing was drugs. Um, and where I came up in Southern California in the era, I came up probably more people that I knew then in my young circle than not paid for it in one way or other number with their lives. Drugs was a serious issue. Um, but what these young people are up against is digital in nature and the separation um, of like, even to this day, if I meet a person and I meet them face to face, I'll probably never forget them. If I get an email, I'll be asking Rose three days later, who the hell is this? And I'm not even kidding. I can't, I can't draw the line of physical connection with the digital thing. And the kids coming up now, the majority of their life is relationships through a screen. Then the whole gaming platform, which is hundred percent, the most effective programming mechanism that could ever be because it's interactive and you're invested in it, which is creeping towards, you know, virtual reality and all these things. So these reckonings are going to be big deals. Um, but I'll, I'll ask, what do you guys think? 10 years from now, is the people who are in their 20s and 30s now, are they going to look back at this and make fun of how ridiculous we've all acted? Or will it be something else? That really depends upon how things go in the next few months, I would venture. For my part, I can't imagine that it's taken seriously. I think when the hindsight becomes 2020, I would be shocked to understand. And unless we've lost so much more than we think we're about to. There's also a level of this, like, I mean, I know this sounds... I don't know how this sounds, but this sort of has to happen. Like things couldn't keep going the way they were because there was, we were too complacent and too complicit on things. And, you know, it's like, I think we, we almost need this conflict. Otherwise things were just going to keep going and going and going. And I think, like I said, it's almost necessary because it's waking a lot of people up there. I, I'm also on this perspective. It's like, we're all on sort of a spiritual journey, right? And so we're all depending on where you are in your journey, going to see this as, the end of the freaking world or the start of a new one, you know? And so in any transitional phase, there's going to be a lot of destruction. In that sense, that means a lot of death too, as there already has been, clearly, right? Oh, so, but there's also a lot of light that's gonna come out too. And that's, and so we always have to just keep that in mind and push towards that light, in my opinion, you know? Where, where do you stand on the population idea? Um, Jason and I did a few shows and we actually found a way and some other published content to get numbers to show that actually the truth of it is, is population's been in decline for some time now. Um, and so one of the things we're presented with is there's too many people all the time. What we've done is tried to show the exact opposite is true, but I think part of what's gone on here is over time, more and more people have gone to city centers. So whenever you're in a city, it seems like, damn, there's a lot of people. San Diego is that way. Like when, when I leave here and I go back to San Diego, it's like numbing the amount of people are there. But the truth is, is when I get on a plane to fly home, 90 something percent of that flight is over unpopulated areas. Uh, where do you stand on the population thing, Marty? Do you think we're actually getting too many people? Do you think population is fixed? Uh, does God just keep making souls till there's no more room? Uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, I don't ever think there's probably too many people because I think that's kind of a ridiculous idea. But I, I, I mean, I haven't done the research, but it makes sense that population would be on the decline. I mean, look at all, nearly everyone I know in my, in my class and, you know, people coming after, like no one wants children. You know, the people in my, they don't have children. They're, I mean, I have some friends that have some families and stuff like that. It's usually one or two children. It's not like back in the day where they were pumping out like six, seven or whatever, you know? Right. So um, there will be a decline in the European American, if you call them white population. And there is, it's happening clearly. ADL is proud of it. I don't know if we have to 
block that. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so um, I, I would agree with that. I, I think you guys are probably spot on. When I was growing up where I live now uh, in the early 70s, every household had the typical 3.5 ch children. I think it was stated as 2.5. But what we saw here is minimally everyone had three children with the exception of one home where they had a single child. But there were a number that had five or more. Um, there were a couple that had more than five, uh, eight, nine. So there was one household that had nine children. Uh, very, very Catholic, um, that family. I remember because the name of their boat reflected how many children there were. But now in this neighborhood, there are zero, absolutely zero children. Um, it's not the same world. And another place you can see this, and it's easy to see, is in Japan. And it's a bit baffling because while... Japan's a weird dichotomy. They have this love with tech, but they always maintain the older, more natural ways. It's like they do both at the same time. So when you go to the city center, there's this bizarre kitsch. Everything has got to be cute and technological. But as soon as you get away from the city center, some dude's making soy sauce the way they did it 500 years ago. Uh, moving away from chemical, always doing everything they can to figure out how to not overfarm the ocean. Um, all these kinds of ideas, but almost to a place in Japan, when you see it covered, you will see that there's very few children and you will be told there's no children taking over anymore. Um, so you get, so you, you begin to wonder, how did that happen here? Because the food supply is clearly better. Um, the habits are better. So what was it? Uh, I can't answer that question, but I think very few people uh, understand that what exactly what you said. Mostly white, a lot of the Asian will be in full decline and hit the, what, what was the number, Jason? Do you remember, was it 2.5? Do you remember the reproduction rate that's never been recovered from? 2.1, I think. 2.1, something like that. There are already places that are at or just below 2.1. Historically, it's never been recovered from. But what we found was what we currently call minorities and Catholics uh, are having kids like there's no tomorrow. So it was the only sector of population growth that we could detect. And it was very regional. Like if you go to Mexico, South America kind of ideas, certain centers there, um, some black communities here and there were, were growing. But other than that, the majority of the world was in full decline. And a couple of the races, which everyone thinks are dominant and prominent, they're already knocking on the door of 2.1 at 2.1 or right below 2.1, which again, the claim is historically has never been recovered from. And that also sets aside the idea of how purity of race is really in a lot of places becoming a thing of the past. There's very few places that haven't intermarried at this point. Um, but th there it is straight from the horse's mouth. And we looked carefully at this to present what we presented. Do you think that's going to happen here where it's the city centers are going to be more, you know, and then and the, the, the old ways, if you will, are going to be pushed out to the country. I mean, that's, there seems to be that trend happening right now. I, I think logically we can deduce that some of the things you've said and what we've just laid down and drawn from past episodes is if there was a further breakdown of supply and things like that, the city centers are going to get it bad. Um, yeah. That by automatic, that means the people that are away from the city centers have a much better chance if for no other reason, because it means you got a yard in most cases once you start to get away from the city. But that's the thing about a city is it is wholly dependent on systemic survival. In a city without systems, you got nothing. 
literally you got nothing. You ain't going to have gas. You ain't going to have food. You ain't going to, you know, New York City, you know, the, the Gotham of film of film industry is always the one they show. And in our world, what do we see? This, these are always the epicenters of where the big points are going to get made, right? And the biggest cities in the world uh, in these populated places. So, but again, I, I don't feel like if we see a lot of call, what I'll call herd culling, because people know what I'm talking about and AI is too stupid to put it together. If we see a lot of herd culling, I think it's going to be mostly based on offers and bad decisions. And in other words, um, I could have eaten this organic food for 10 years, but instead I drank a gallon of soda and, you know, so now I'm dying. These kinds of ideas, but maybe more fast track than that example. There's been the fire in my belly for a long time to like move away from cities and things like that and just get back to nature. And it was sort of when I was Growing up, I've been talking about this lately. Growing up, it was sort of fed to me in like the hippie culture. It's like, oh, you'd be free and back to nature and just, you know, just that sort of thing. And really that desire was actually to do more of what I'm doing now. And that's to grow my own food and live simply and but more traditional. And so I always had this move to get away from the city. Even like, you know, when I lived in Oregon, even in Eugene, I lived at the foothills of the of the Spencer's Butte, which was like this huge butte. When I lived in Albany, Wisconsin, I lived in like 10 acres of farmland. And, you know, I lived in the woods in Colorado. And just because I forever wanted to get back to that. And I, I mean, I don't know if the kids these days are even going to have that route to even experience a lot of that. You know what I mean? And that seems very dangerous to me. Well, it's going to be problematic because from my generation, typically the parents had at least something uh, to help out the kids, either what they had gained over a lifetime or maybe a little bit of cash if you weren't rich, even the lower middle class or, you know, they had something. And I think that's another thing where the chain's kind of been broken, where people now are thinking, is there even going to be a retirement here? Nobody's really quite sure. But, you know, the truth of it, you know, here, here's one thing. And I kind of hate to say it because I don't want to add stress to people, but Jason and I did shoot the moon NYC from the moment I set foot in NYC. And I'm a mellow, calm person. I felt like the walls were closing in on me. I felt like there was no life. It's like there's a tree growing through the sidewalk, but it looks like it's barely holding on. And I it just you're walking down these streets and people are stacked on top of P. It's just like, oh my God, it's such a kind of I don't know, you know, it's like one domino, you know, one domino could just really change everything. And so, yeah, if people have any wherewithal to start to move away from these city centers, it might be a good thing. But who the hell knows? You know, I can't read the future. When I'm, when I'm chilling on my property here, I'm like in the greatest mood. Like, I mean, I could literally just be like, I'm going to do today. I'm going to be hauling freaking 10 yards of mulch and moving it. It's like, I could be in the greatest mood. And then all I have to do is drive into town and I can feel the agitation now, especially yep. with the masks and things like that. That's just a whole nother layer of it. But even before all of this uh, Cerveza thing hit, um, even before that, I felt that. And I wanted to get away from that. So now it's even intensified more. So. That seems to be wearing thin too. Um, we go out. I, I haven't worn anything since this started. I know a number number of people who have, and a number of people who've even flown um, and not really been hassled to any major degree. But what we're seeing now is the people that have to work in these places are just beside. I mean, I feel my heart goes out to them. They are so sick of breathing their own exhaust, um, and you hear them commenting and going outside on a break, and you can just see it in their eyes but even that is an unsustainable thing 
um, I think to some degree. I mean, even now they're starting to put mandates out that talk about solidarity. When you see buzzwords like solidarity come out, it means they're trying to put cement where the glue ain't holding anymore. Um, so I just don't think this is sustainable. And part of the problem is, is you're absolutely right. We just came through a period where, in, a, in where I live in America, we were mostly fat, dumb, and happy. Um, lazy, overweight, living on bad food, uh, watching way too much TV, uh, more intimate with the couch than we were with our family, um, these kinds of things. And so having to breathe your own exhaust fumes and this big shakeup, I imagine it's going to thin out. <laughs> populations just just what we've seen so far i think but it's it's hard to know and the other thing that makes it hard to know is because the information systems are mostly nonsense the, the only real information jason and i get is we're in a live stream and we ask the people from all over the place what are you seeing where you are you know and then we kind of feel like yeah that's mostly valid information um but you can't pick up a paper anymore you can't turn on television and get anything but propaganda so you're actually getting news amazing we say that we say isn't it bizarre that we now live in a time with what we're doing here in this live stream is the only form of legitimately provable acceptable information where i'm asking this person where are you from what are you seeing where you are you know and that's that's where we've come and that also points to the non-sustainable nature of what we currently call televised news it's unsustainable it's going to see its end I think you're right because it's the same news story and eventually people, you know, it's like my, I've had friends that I grew up with and they're still on like Facebook and stuff like that. And they're still listening to Vox or, or Buzzfeed or they would just see CNN because they believe that that's, those are credible, verified news sources. And that narrative is starting to fail, you know, cause it's not like, well, no, just look around you. Do you see any sort of major pandemic going on? Open your eyes. Just look with your own two eyes. It's like you're saying, I've been saying this before too. It's like people say evil runs the world. No, there's definitely evil in the world, but just open your eyes and look around, look around you. That's what's so bizarre about this is that so much ado can be made literally about nothing because you can't detect what the ado is all about. And yet people are doing it, but I'll tell you what, I'll get it in before we start getting to the top. When we come back on the other side in hour two, what I'd like to get into with you, Marty, just so people know, is the legality of so many things. Um, but we have to push that to hour two or all the people who like to come to YouTube and just get everything for free, no hassle. Um, you know, I, we try to provide for that as much as we can, but there's there's a hell of a tale. Um, and I've said for a long time, if, if the wheels start turning again and federal court systems and things... Things are going to change very quickly, or we're going to find out that there is no semblance to the old world. And it will be, it's a, it's a thing you'll be able to know pretty quickly. But, you know, that's another thing that astounded me. I'd heard from so many people from Hawaii. And when I've been there, uh, one of the first things I realized was if you're a white person and you get accepted by the native Hawaiians, then you've really done something there because these people still have an affinity for nature. They still have the language. Um, and you know why they're kind of irked about what's happened to their islands. That was the first thing. But the second thing is there's this whole kind of, I don't even know what to call it, the Mahalo mindset, you know, peace, yeah. you know, love, happiness, mellow, laid back. Don't put on a suit to go to work, this whole other mindset. And that's what was kind of so shocking to me when I heard it was one of the earliest places to really get locked down. And that's when Jason and I began to put together that a lot of this has to do with population. And the truth is the contiguous United States is a hell of a possible, 
you know, population. So when you get down to small islands, maybe that's the reason. But I was shocked to see such kind of a free nature-based society get trampled down, locked down so quickly. Yes, it was very disheartening. <laughs> let's just say that. Well, let's, I mean, not to get into political because I'm not uh, on that left-right spectrum at all. Um, I think our government is a criminal cartel at this point, and both those parties are completely whatever, but it is a very blue state. And so a lot of people here, there's a lot of people that are very trusting of what's going on. And then there's the exact opposite. And there's really no in between here. I, I, I see anyway, I, I can't say that absolute, but you can see there's a lot of people here that are just not buying it. Even down, as we found out, even down in Pune, which is very, very hippie, right? In fact, it's like a very like, uh, there's a lot of gays down there, LGBTQ, that sort of thing. There's a lot of people down there that are not buying this because it's like, as you said, it was like, I think they almost, they overreach. It was overreach. You know, they went right. almost too far. And if they just keep going and keep going, all, you know, it's like, no, nah, we're not buying it. So they're, if they lock down this economy again, this economy is going to suffer. I mean, there was a lot of businesses that are already have gone under and things like that. So I don't know if that's going to wake the population up, but that is the one very disconcerting thing about this island. It's basically the one sticking point for me is that in order to get off this island, I got to go through that federally, that federal nightmare called the fricking airport. And so, and their ability, I mean, just through this whole thing, they installed um, facial recognition software and thermal detecting things because of the Cerveza thingy. So <laughs> that's not good, you know, um, but there is that spirit here too, that people are like, look, we still have in our generational memory, the United States government coming and taking our land. It's <laughs> just like they did in the civil war. The federal government came and just took rights and land and just took the kingdom of Hawaii. And people still remember that. And they still understand that it's illegal that the entire operation here is illegal. So that's still in their consciousness, which is, you know, so we'll see, we'll see. In fact, there's this one girl here named Jen Ruggles and she she uh, was a, a house representative, I think is what it was. And um, she actually uncovered all of this stuff and would not vote in the system here. And the people got all upset about it because she's like, well, if I voted in the system, I would be doing something illegal because the federal government has no legal right to be here. Very interesting. Very interesting. So which which you could say for, you know, you could say where I'm living in the contiguous states that that's part of what's going on here is all, you know, I had been listening to people who trade in specie, gold and silver for a number of years. I don't know how long ago, three years ago, they said that the fiat currency system can't make it another three years guaranteed in less than three years. It's about two, two and a half years when we saw what just happened. So fiat's becoming something else, but they knew is my point, but that's just one of many things. Uh, the idea of corporation, which by the time this airs, a couple episodes before this, Jason and I just did a big episode on the history of corporation. These are all things that were implemented by hook or crook, like little ninjas in the night, and they slowly infiltrated all the systems so people slowly got used to it. Uh, it's like the frog in boiling water. It's basically how this was all implemented. But at the end of the day, um, statutes, which everyone knows, don't apply to a living man or a living woman. Problem is, is nobody understands what any of that means. But all that's beginning to change um, with our contacts with Australia, which is another place that is just under draconian. It's almost, it's shocking to conceive what we're hearing coming out of 
Australia in the current millennium. It, it blows my damn mind. Um, and the overreach is beyond astonishing. The overreach is, is almost laughable. If it wasn't so tragic, people would be crying until they fell on the ground. Um, but in that community, there are a ton of people who have gone back in, figured out how the courts actually work, um, what the actual base laws that are legitimate work, and they've done some things. And that's another thing that I think is going to come on the tail of this. And I think what we may see is a push to prevent that from ever happening. Uh, but I don't think that's sustainable either. I don't think it can be pulled off. But Jason, we got to be getting close. Anything you want to get in here? Well, Marty, we are almost at the top of hour one here. So is there any good positive message you'd like to leave for everyone before we get into hour two and don't have to worry about the cold hand of censorship on our throat? Okay. Yeah, I'll leave the top hour with this. I'm actually about to do a live stream. What did I call it? Seeing through God's eye. And basically just start to understand your world like this. That you and and speak this way, think this way, freely speak this way, and view your world this this way because this is the truth. You are a spiritual being having a a physical experience. This entire world is made by a great creator. You are here for a purpose, right? When you see all these people, when everything that's coming down the the pike here, coming down the pipe about taking away your rights and your freedoms and your liberties, always view it through the lens of the divine. Because in my opinion, what's what, what this is, is for lack of a better term, probably a perfect term, but anti-Christ, anti-creator, anti-divine. And when these people bring that to the table, your response is to bring the divine to the table. You know, you have a spiritual right to breathe. Spirit in Latin means to breathe. It's literally what it means. God has given you your breath. So don't be like, well, I can't wear a mask because I've got breathing issues. No, no, no. Don't look at it through those lens. Look at it through. No, I have a right to breathe because God has given me my breath. End of story. And always make it about that because this is how this is how we win this fight. Because we are in a war right now and it's not your traditional war with guns and stuff like that. I mean, there will be some guns, but uh, it's a war in the hearts and minds of people. And you win that war by the abundance of love and compassion that God has given us. And that's what I would say. All right. Well said. And I, I would point out war and in the era we live in, it's not guns and bullets and bombs anymore. It's really about fear and information, isn't it? That's what drives what's going on here. And I'm with you all day long. And people have forgotten why the word spirit is in our vocabulary, why it's in a liquor store, the idea of what salt or you know the salt of the earth, the body, or what the original intent of the philosophical meaning of soul, that all these things have been lost in the shuffle. But like you said, more and more people are coming around because when you can no longer trust all the people supposedly charged with your well-being and you can no longer trust the information systems which have been in place forever, what happens is people start to grow up because they have to rely on themselves instead of changing the channel. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. But all right. So that brings the first hour of 245 to a close. When we come back, we're going to get into the legality of so many of these things. And the truth is, and I'll, I'll cut to the chase, there's not a leg to stand on for any of it. Um, but that provides that we must have systems uh, in place that come back in some functional order. Otherwise, everybody knows what the alternative is. But when we come back, it'll be at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777 radio.com. That is the only real crow site in the world. There are frauds that are about to get smacked down hard, I am told. 
So join us on the other side where we have free speech and we can actually, like godly, righteous human beings with the divine spark, use our voices and our minds to speak, not harming anyone. But apparently here in the first hour, that's just not possible anymore. So join us at Crow777radio.com for hour two, where we will cover the legalities of what's going on in our world right now. And by the way, there just are none. So there it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing. Come.